Welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast, a podcast created to champion church multiplication, provide learning, and inspire new disciple-making communities across Canada. Hi there, welcome to the Multiply Network Podcast. My name is Paul Fraser, and I am feeling thankful today. Maybe it's because we just came out of the Thanksgiving weekend, feeling the effects of turkey, pumpkin pie. So I decided to do a thankfulness list. So here it goes. I'm thankful for family, thankful for health, thankful for NFL fantasy football. I'm also thankful that NHL hockey's back on. And I'm also thankful for friends like Mike Miller. Him and his wife Nance have planted Nova Church in Halifax. They just celebrated two years. And I sat down with Mike this week to talk about leadership issues, uh, their constant state of restructuring for growth. We talk about discipleship, balance in life and ministry. He's got a lot of great things to say. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview. It's coming up right now. Really happy to have Mike Miller, uh, Nova Church Halifax. Him and his wife, Nance, are co-pastors at Nova Church. And excited to have you back on the podcast. Welcome, Mike. Oh, it's so good to be here. You're one of my favorite people. Oh, and, stop uh, it. No, and I love, I love the podcast. I subscribe, and it's always a good time whenever I get some more Paul in my life. Hey, come on. Hey, not to make your head too puffy, but you... Uh, like in the Multiply Network podcast history, uh, your podcast has the most downloads. I know why. Because <laughs> it was the first one? <laughs> yeah, and then they never came back. They, that was terrible. And it they was, never came back again. Oh, man. Like, that was awful. No, it was actually so good. And uh, we're checking in with you now, uh, two years into the launch of Nova Church. You just celebrated your two-year yeah. anniversary. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, we just celebrated two years, and uh, so we can no longer use the months. It's like when people have kids and your kid is 24 months. At some point, you got to stop using months. So we're into year three, <laughs> and it uh, still feels like we have a terrible two-year-old sometimes. A terrible twos, uh, yeah. I was just wondering if that's a real thing in church planting. Uh, sometimes, yeah. Uh, but it's also fun because the personality comes out, and yeah. they get to play organized sports. So there's a lot of memories. You're not just feel like you're babysitting. So. Yeah, to celebrate two years, and we're going and try, still trying to figure out what we're doing. We're not sure exactly we know what we're doing, but we parent like we pastor. Yeah, and we're kind of figuring it as we go. And so far, it's it's definitely been an adventure. Yeah, and I love you and Nance and how you guys lead so well together, and mm. to co-lead and honor each other, and how your gifts complement. It's really cool. I wish Halifax. Uh, Halifax. <laughs> that's the I, healthy version. That's yeah. the healthy version of Halifax. I wish Halifax was closer. Uh, but yeah, just love you guys. And thanks for uh, taking time to be on the podcast today. We're going to talk about lots of different things uh, today. Uh, but our focus for this month, and maybe we'll use this as a launching pad, our focus for this month is discipleship and, mm. and wondering you know, Jesus didn't ask us to go into all the world and make crowds. Uh, even though he attracted so many crowds everywhere he went, he said, no, that's not the secret sauce. It's discipleship. Your church has seen some great growth. How have you guys transitioned and uh, developed pipelines or pathways for discipleship? 
Yeah, great question. And I don't think it's a problem to solve. I think it's a tension to manage. Right. Um, we always say it, we pastor like we parent, you know, and parenting really is discipleship because, you know, making the question a little longer, some of the problems we see with transitions and discipleship down the road is that you have people competing so-called fathers and sons, but real fathers never compete with their sons because they want their sons and daughters to have a better marriage, a better house, better finances, more influence than they had. A true father wants them to do better. So with discipleship, with parenting, we want our kids to have a better marriage than we have, better finances, more adventure, better character, more giftings. And so navigating all that is we're going through that and we're trying to find the systems and, and, and work through that. And everything is about helping people be better than when we found them. And if that's your motive, um, it goes into everything. So there's not a competition. It's mm-hmm. always, what can we give you and elevate you above ourselves? And if you do, if you elevate people, if you, if you, we all have people we want to follow. We have people we listen to and speakers, but the people that mentored us, we felt like they wanted to push us higher. And um, like I golf with you and your dad, your dad was not jealous of your golf game. <laughs> Why? Because every father wants their son to be better than they were. Which and I, I was better. Yes, you were. <laughs> and, uh, but that's, that's the heart of kingdom, right? And totally. Jesus said, you'll do greater things than I do. He wasn't like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he was like, that's, that's my thing. So I think if that's your heart, you start learning these things, that's, that's the heart behind a lot of this stuff, just even for health, for growth, and for systems. Yeah. And so do you build it like into a, a program or is it more culture? It's both. I okay. think, you know, you, ha- you have to have guardrails and systems because if it's, not a, if it's not a program, it's a personality. And you can't transition a personality. So you could be loving, a leader could be loving and intentional and discipleship, but unless that's into a program at some point, that's why we have scripture, right? Because it wasn't just Jesus is going to lead this thing and goes, when he's leaving, it's like, you guys figured out. He, he taught us. He spent, Jesus could have came, died on the cross in a week and left. Holy Spirit would have came. Why was he here three years? He was building systems. Mm-hmm. That's why he was here for three years. The cross didn't take three years. Mm-hmm. The systems did. So um, you have to build with systems. So we're building those systems intentionally. Yeah. Um, that's from the front door to what it looks like for ministry. There has to be something that works that if I'm not there this week, or if I'm not there in 15 years, that the systems are built in. That's intentional. Yeah. And that, that's really important. And, and I'm sure over the two years, I was just on a, a multiplier's Zoom call recently and that came up the restructuring and how mm. how often even in you know the first 2 3 4 years yeah. of your church plant you have to restructure we were talking about that a little bit before the call why don't you tell us where you're at what you're thinking about these days as your church is restructuring for growth and for the next yeah great question Again, we always say we pastor like we parent. It's very similar. When we had Josh, our firstborn, we did everything together and we'd go get groceries together. And, or, you know, then when we had Maddie, our second child, it went to man on man defense. And then, <laughs> you know, if you have three kids, it goes to zone. You have to change your systems. The heart's the same. Um, so we're even figuring that when we started, you know, m- the model that I like is, you know, people don't want to be in the loop of information, they want to seat at the table. So we just made a really big table and we just threw everybody around it. So we had, I think, 21 different ministries to start. And again, not all the same level of influence. Like you would have kids ministry, which is influential, 
but you have parking lot, which is not leading large groups of people, but we all gave them a seat at this big figurative table. And we'd talk about schedule and heart and tough questions and our goals and sermons. And that was great at the beginning because we really created this, we're building something. Mm -hmm. Um, As we started to grow, now where we're at is we're actually streamlining more because what happens is you can't keep that up as you grow because it starts bogging you down. It's the same way that me and my wife would go with our son and we'd go get groceries together. It's like when we first got married, let's go do everything together. Right. But once you have a couple kids and one needs a bath and one's having a nap, it's better to go, okay, you go, I'll stay. You start separating yeah. and streamlining. Where we're at now as we enter year three is we're actually streamlining to make it more effective because you can't keep the same level yeah. of everyone around the table and be as effective because now you no longer fit in one room. You actually have multiple rooms and houses so you're starting to give away authority. And if mm-hmm. you delegate responsibility without authority, you breed frustration. So we keep delegating authority. So there's now meetings that we're not a part of. Where okay. before we were lead the charge, we'll be part of these meetings and grab these people. Now it's like, no, you have authority, you run that. And we start going to different rooms of the same house. And we're not in the same room. So it's just structurally, we're starting to streamline. Our leaders meetings would have 30 people. Now we're cutting them down to 15 We've added team nights so we can add more people in, but we're starting to reorganize and restructure that way. That That's fantastic. Um, delegating authority, giving it away. Uh, do you feel like it's freeing you up at all? Yes. Uh, but again, there's also dangers in anything, right? Delegation without investigation is an abomination. And the problem is I have no problem giving away authority I just sometimes will fail in investigating. So it's this marriage between oh. delegate and investigate. Yeah. And um, so we delegate it because, again, you can't transition a personality. That's why our faith wasn't built on Jesus' right. personality. It was built on his presence and his principles. Yeah. So our leader left and the church grew. So if you don't let go of authority, uh, Jesus said, I give you authority. You know, He gave us the Holy Spirit. You have to you have to give away authority, or you cannot grow. Yeah. So we're in that season now. We're always we delegate it, and then we investigate it. How are you? What do you need? Let's change course. Let's correct. Trent, we're at the stage now of transitioning some leaders out. Either they're at their capacity, or maybe they feel like it's a change of season. Yep. Or maybe it's not the right fit. Yep. And people that got you to a certain level can't get you to the next level. The Honda Civic can get your family of two. Yep. Once you hit family of five, you've got to move to the Odyssey van. Yep. It's some practical things of just delegating. And now what we do is we delegate and we're just investigating. Yeah, Delegate and investigate. And that seems to be our cycle right now. Yeah, that accountability piece is huge. Um, I think, I think, you know, obviously not micromanaging. I think people don't want to be micromanaged. But I think there's this aspect of that people want to know that they're being cared for. That the investigation isn't like, you know, I'm coming in to examine your work. It's like, no, I'm here to help, support. Um, because I think sometimes what we, what we, our tendency maybe as leaders to do is just to give away jobs. You yeah. do this job, you do that job. But I like how you framed it uh, using the word authority. That, that's, a, that's a helpful word, I think. Uh, one of the things that church planters wrestle with is permanent space. Permanent yeah. space for office, permanent space for the church. When do you go there? Uh, 
what's the philosophy behind it. So why don't you tell us, that's something that you guys wrestled through. You have some office space now. Maybe just help us to understand how you got to that point. Yeah, I, I think it, we're in a wonderful season where we've never had more chance to glean and learn globally. Paul, when you know we're not that old, but when we were growing up, you would compare or be able to maybe assess the church down the street. If a guest speaker came in, you'd learn things. We have a, a wide open window into any church in the world right now, from their social media to their podcast, to if they have video yeah. services, we can learn a lot. The negative of that is we can put ourselves into either comparison or even trying to run in someone else's track. That's, you know, when we were growing up, there was that term competing with the Joneses of <laughs> the, 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 the mysterious neighbors of, well, yeah. they got two cars. They went to Florida for vacation. So now you've we got have to, to, you've yeah. got to run in your lane. And for us, navigating what do we need and what do we need most? It's a whole prior, prioritizing. And as again, we parent and we pastor the same way. We might need our kids. We might need winter tires, and the kids might need shoes more than we need a vacation. Mm-hmm. So the neighbors might go to Florida, but. There's no point going to Florida if we need a new roof. Mm-hmm. So it's the whole time of assessing of what do we need and what do we have. Um, for us, space, again, it's culture. You know, the Bible says don't provoke, fathers don't provoke your children. I have seen churches that are established, and I get it. That they're trying to think like church plants or try to bring some revitalization and some life in. But you can see them trying to do the same thing, maybe a church plant, but they don't get the why. So, for example, we just did our second birthday as a church, and we moved to Saturday night church. And we had church on Saturday night. And that sounds cool and sounds great, but it's challenging to families with young kids. Kids are going to bed at 7. Our service started at 6. But I've seen other churches go, let's move to a Saturday night. Let's change our Sunday morning to a Saturday night. And people revolt because you're provoking them. The reason why we did it is because our venue, the actual, the Wiggles, the yellow, blue, red, and purple Wiggle, <laughs> Captain Feather Sword, were in our venue, and we had to move to Saturday night. What is important for us is we always go after the why. What do we need? Yeah. And from there. So for us, it's not a venue. We don't want to be venue poor. We don't have the money for a venue. Um, we can rent a venue for what we need without putting the money in. Yeah. To pay, we're not paying utilities six days a week. We're paying for one day a week. So it's about critical needs. What do we need? We do this as a family. We'll sit down and go, we've been running and gunning. Yeah. We need a movie night. Other weeks, it's no. We all need to go clean our rooms, mow the lawn, do laundry. As a family, you're always like, where are we at? What do we need? And I always say it this way, Paul, that the best thing is not always the right thing. So, for example, I'll use you. You're traveling a lot. You're, You're really making some inroads and helping with, you know, church planting and growth and multiplication and You'll come home, and the best thing might be your kids are all in the same house. Let's have a salad, a healthy meal. It's getting bed early. But if you've been on the road and they haven't seen you, the right thing is to order pizza, watch a movie, mm-hmm. and stay up late. As a church, you're always going, what do we need right now? Mm-hmm. And so for us, we'll spend money on a party as a church or a community event where we could put it in the savings for a building. It's the whole thing of what do we need right now? Yeah. And right now we don't need a building. Yeah. We need to put it into people. Yeah. So it's always assessing where we're at and what do we need right now. Yeah. And so you did, but you did eventually, like you're leasing a space or renting a space for your offices. How has yeah. that helped? Because I think there's some planters out there going, ah, we don't need an office space or maybe we do. I don't know. Yeah. What led you to that decision for the office space? 
Yeah, great question. For us, it was uh, an evolution. Um, we were very much get out of the office, get where people are. Uh, it's all about why. Everything's about the motive. Yep. And sometimes I've seen it in my own life in churches where the office was a place to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, office does not equate work. Um, and we did, we met in coffee shops and in condo common rooms and our houses and that worked. We got to a place of capacity where it felt like we were chasing people and trying to organize. And we realized we're at the stage now, again, streamlining. We need a place where people can come to us. The analogy we use is me and my wife were like the engine on a train. We needed another engine halfway back on the car. And if we stopped, again, great people around us, but we felt like if we stopped, the train didn't stop, but it definitely stopped pulling. It started to coast. We needed something in middle of the engine, middle of the train to keep momentum. We needed a place to organize, structure, rally people. And again, learning from other churches, Yeah, that's, that's been important for us. So two years in, you know, um, running hundreds of people, uh, hundreds of thousand dollars in budgets, we never had an office space at all. So yeah, uh, Staples was our printing. We met in living rooms and coffee shops mm-hmm. and it came to a place. It wasn't what was comfortable or I'd like to have an office. It was, what's effective right um so that people can meet without us so the goal was we want to walk in on a wednesday night and go what's going on in here oh it's small group training Mm -hmm. fantastic so it's again it's about structuring of what can help be an engine midway back to help momentum that's not based on us yeah no that's good and uh saw the instagram pictures and how you guys renovated it looked like it was a good team building time as well Getting it everybody in there. And it's a small space. It's a really small space. But practically, we rent a, a, a storage unit for our gear. Yeah. Um, we combined it with this to cut down on the budget. And it's not a big space. Yeah. Really small space. We've been renovating it, making it our own. But again, it, we didn't want to put money into a building where we could, I'll be practical, that we couldn't supply coffee on Sunday morning, yeah. which is relational. So it's not a great office. It's not a huge office, but it's ours. Yeah. Um, and I think we've had eight group meetings in the last nine days. Yeah. So again, it was the right time for us. This thing, the right thing at the wrong time is wrong. Yeah. This thing a year ago would have been wrong for us. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we chatted about before that I thought was really interesting, just to transition a little bit to you know, the practical side of things. Obviously, there's a practical side to church planting. Mm. Yeah, but there's also this spiritual side to church planting. I want to transition a little bit there. We talked a little bit before the uh, call today about this idea of when you're, you're starting out, it's like systems and structures and da da da, systems and structures and systems yeah. and structures. You build it, and then sometimes you can not intentionally uh, cut maybe what the spirit is saying and what the spirit is doing in in your life and in the life of the church. How have you? kind of manage that balance between spirit and truth? Yeah, great question. Again, we're all product of our environment, right? So we always kind of go to the other end of the spectrum. So if you come out of a place that's very legalistic where you're wearing suits and ties and it's amazing how it's almost like you want to rebel, not even rebel, but you feel like you throw the baby in the bathwater out and you're wearing the deepest V-necks and the biggest rips. Or if you're in a place that had no structure and no schedule, you show up whenever you want, it's like you're craving structure and office time. You know, again, sometimes we use the Holy Spirit as an excuse for lack of planning. Mm-hmm. And so with the Spirit's just going to move. Yep. Well, the Spirit of God is one of the most organized people. And 
it like you read scripture and, and creation, it was organized and everything in its, in its orbit and rotation and every season and planning and to be spirit led is not to be chaotic. It's, it's in order and structure. So for us, we have systems, but again, it's spirit and in truth. It's that, it's that balance of going back and forth and going, what's our energy? What's our why Mm -hmm. making room for say, God, what do you want to do in this? And how do you want to breathe that structure for us? It's getting things off the ground. But again, the most valuable resource we have is not a building. It's not our Instagram. It's not our budget. It's your spirit. Mm-hmm. And an Excel spreadsheet and an Instagram post will never feed your spirit. Mm-hmm. I believe being spirit-led is not being unorganized. I believe God can breathe into your schedule six months before you need it. Mm-hmm. We've even seen that in our church. We'll, be, we'll have a kid's curriculum that's a, a, a box program. I don't even know what it is. And I'll be preaching the exact same thing in the kids program. We'll go, by the way, we just did the exact same thing. We've had that happen five or six times this last year where the spirit is organized, breathing things. So for us, it's about not being slave to a program. It's going, God, what are you saying? But understand God wants to breathe order. Mm -hmm. God wants to breathe structure Mm -hmm. and uh, navigating that tension between those two. I think think that's a good, you know, attention to be managed is is that tension between structure and spirit. It's mm. in, you know, this, uh, we're both in our forties and, mm. uh, in those that are listening that are older know this too, that it's life's most, mostly both. And there's, yeah. there's lots of things that are either or, but a lot of it is both. And, yep. and, uh, we need the spirit moving in our churches, calling people to know Christ. Um, and just even for you personally, how's, you know, how's the spirit helped you as a leader? Because, you know, it's easy to lose your spiritual uh, intensity, life in yeah. the busyness, especially of a church plant. What are some things that you've done to make sure that your spiritual life is still thriving and vital? Yeah, great question. And again, I don't know if there's an answer, but it's a discussion. Yeah. I honestly believe the greatest resource we have is our spirit. I honestly believe that this is, I don't believe pastoring is the hardest job in the world. Um, We like to play that card and, and show our scars and, but I've done construction in the winter. And if you've done paving in Alberta in the summer, if you've done retail at Christmas, pastoring is not the toughest job in the world. It's not, but there is a weight to it. Mm -hmm. And the most valuable resource we have is our spirit. And it's the only job I know you don't separate. It's not you go to work and come home. Your home life affects your church. Mm -hmm. Your mental state affects your church. Your marriage, if you're married, affects the church. You can't, you can, you can be a great lawyer and be a horrible husband and they don't need to touch each other. It's not the same in the kingdom of God. It's that's why this job is different. So I'm thankful I'm at an age. I don't know if I would have been secure enough in my early thirties, being in my mid forties now. I thank God for the inspiration of other churches through Instagram, through, through friendships, through websites, but I don't feel the comparison. I don't feel the competition. I don't feel the drive. It's always God. What are you saying to me? What are you saying to us? And it's that, it's that spirit led. Mm -hmm. I get inspired by other places. I can glean ideas from other places, but it's honestly, God, what are you saying to me? That's been the, that I'm so thankful Mm -hmm. that I don't feel a pressure to compete. I don't feel a pressure for numbers or for, you know, I feel so far behind in some things. I feel 
undriven in some ways in a healthy way because I don't feel like I'm competing with anyone. I feel like it's like, that's a great idea. I don't feel it's for us. It's spirit. What are you saying right now? Mm-hmm. Me and my wife always say we pastor the way we parent and we never parented based on the neighbors. It wasn't, well, they went on that trip or they got a place that it's, what do we need? And just because the neighbor's kids played hockey doesn't mean our kids played hockey. It's what's your gifting. And we're trying to just look at our church, ask God without being super spiritual. We're not doing 40 day fasts. And I'm not against that. I'm not talking that. I'm just saying, God, I'm looking at our kids. And in this case, looking at our church going, where are we at? What do we need? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's slow down and other times it's no, let's push. And that's what parenting is like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we feel it's like God spirit speak to us. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's like, no, we need to slow down right now. And people are pushing us. Let's do this. And let's go multi-site. Let's go multi-service. And we're like, we don't feel that. Yeah. So it's really trying to have the voice of God going, what do we need right now? That's your goal as a shepherd. It's not to be the preacher. Your goal as a parent is what do my kids need to grow? And sometimes it's early bedtime. Other times it's music lessons. And sometimes it's adventure. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's what do we need as a church? And you can only do that if you're not starving yourself. So it's how am I doing? And then from there, when you feel like you're in a good place, how's the church doing? Mm-hmm. And then you navigate what the church needs based on what God says. That's honestly as deep as it goes with us. It's always that whole, where are we at and what do we need? And we do that weekly and we do that on the calendar. And so far it's, it's worked for our kids. It's working for our marriage and it's working for our church. Yeah. So good. Um, you, you're right in saying that ministry can be uh, hard to define where the boundaries are mm. because you're right. What happens at home affects what happens at the church. Uh, what happens at the church affects what happens at home. Yeah. The spiritual, the relational, the emotional, the mental, mm. it can kind of all fit together. And uh, so maybe help some younger leaders out there and maybe some older ones mm. with some of the boundaries that that you're trying to set up, not saying you're perfect and... Yeah. But what are some of those things that you're noticing now, a couple of years into the church plant? I feel like pre-launch, you're going 110 miles an hour, yeah. you know, get stuff out the door, and then you get to launch, and it slows down ever so slightly, maybe 108, yeah. and then you're yeah. still flying. But yeah. two years in, you know, Sunday to Sunday, grind, you know, uh, pulling stuff together, planning, listening to the Spirit of God, working through restructuring, all those things. Where are your boundaries in this? Yeah. I think everything in life is rhythm. The older I get, you start to learn your body, your spirit, your family. Like you can't drive 100 miles an hour forever. You can't. Mm -hmm. You just, the engine will not take it. And there's seasons in life. The Bible talks about seasons. You look at Jesus's ministry, it's season. He was hidden for most of his earthly life. He was hidden. We talk about it, but he was hidden. And I think it's understanding seasons. And that's the challenge, I believe, in this Instagram world is we see people's highlights and it motivates our accelerator. And we think, I just got to keep going. Um, you got to know your seasons. I'm at that stage where I'm like, no, there's seasons and there's go times, natural go times. There's natural things like Easter and Christmas. And there's other things where God put on your heart. But rest is holy. We mm-hmm. always say this at home. Rest is holy. Get some. So boundaries, sometimes people use boundaries as an excuse not to work. It's like, well, no, I can't do that. 
like sometimes boundaries means you are going 24 seven for like pushing for that conference. You're trying to get this off the ground. Boundaries isn't nine to five boundaries is knowing, Hey, am I okay? Are we okay? What do we need? As you get going, as you launch, you know, when you're building a house, like you're trying to make it in at a certain time. So you don't lose your permit. You're working 20 hour days, but then you get a rhythm. It's understanding the rhythms of your life and your team. And there's seasons to run and seasons to walk. And we've been telling our team, when we walk, don't you run. And we have people that have other ministries or other jobs. And we're like, listen, guys, there's going to be seasons of running. When we're not running, maximize. We have some people are like, hey, I'm going to go help this church and do this conference. I'm like, that's fine. Even as a speaker, I do traveling and stuff. But I understand, like, when it's running season, don't be tired. So when there's a non-running season, catch your breath. So mm-hmm. boundaries, we've protected a day off. And there's been times where we've had not to do that. And that's fine. Crisis and people help. But we're a big, like Mondays for us, we call it Miller Monday. And sometimes it's mowing the lawn and errands. It's not always date day and cheesecake and coffee shop. Sometimes it's laundry. But we try to keep, and again, someone goes through a tragedy. It's not, mm-hmm. you can't, we're protecting this day. But generally it's catch your breath. And and, and learning those boundaries and putting priorities. And we live a very boring life most of the time, intentionally. We're home. We have supper together. Understanding physical boundaries of both rest and mm-hmm. figuring those things out. And then protecting your church. Telling pe- like We tell people they mean more for us who they are than what they do. And that mm-hmm. sounds nice. Until you need them to do something, go, no, you know what? They've been going too hard. They're doing too much. Yep. And to actually take a lesser quality product, if I can use that term, because they mean more. And if people, if you treat people like they're valuable, they will die for you and charge mountains for you. Yep. So we've actually lowered quality on things to protect people. Mm-hmm. Saying that when you push people go, it's go time, they'll, they'll charge mountains for you. So understanding boundaries in health, you, you know, Paul, we've skied, you know, you fall down, you stand up, you're like, am I all right? You start patting yourself all <laughs> over. I think almost daily, as a church and an individual, I'm like, are we good? Where do we need? What do we need right now? Mm-hmm. And what you need might not be what you want. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's rest and sometimes it's pushing it. So it's always assessing, yep. figuring that out as a church and as individuals. Self-awareness is huge in huge. this process. What have you found helpful for your self-awareness? Is it those rest days where you spend a day just reflecting or... Is it paying attention to emotion? Is it like for you, you you know, you've been in this leadership game a while Mm. and uh, you've got great wisdom. Maybe help us understand. Maybe how do you how do you figure out self-awareness? Yeah, well, being married helps because if you're not a self-aware, your spouse knows. Yeah. When you're you're good mood. (laughs) Yeah. And your kids know. Yeah. Your kids know when you're grumpy. Um, or when you're good for me, it's always about motive. So yeah, why do I feel the urgency to move on something? Right. So, you know, like I always admire these people that just walk slow, not in a lazy way. It seems like they're never stressed. we got a couple people in our church. They make great police officers. <laughs> like have you ever had called a paramedic and they show up and like, they have no urgency. They're just very calculated, very calm. And I, yeah. I've called paramedics for people that I love deeply and I'm like talking fast, moving fast. And I'm like, can you just move fast? Why? <laughs> Cause they're in control. Yeah. They're calculated. Um, I realize an urgent need is a dangerous need. Mm-hmm. 
And a hungry need is a dangerous need. Yeah. And why do I want to react to something? And the best leaders I know don't react, they respond. They try to trigger Jesus with something, trap him in something. He didn't just fly off the handle. Even when in the temple, it was calculated. Oh, yeah. So for me, when I feel like a reaction, whether it be to rest or to defend myself or to come down, I'm like, okay. The older I get, I'm still learning this, is why does that trigger me? That's what the kids always use. You're triggered. Yeah. Why am I triggered in that? Yeah. And when in doubt, stop. And uh, for me, that's important. It's it's because motives everything. Am I trying to defend myself? Am I trying to prove I'm good at something? And it's when in doubt, stop. Yeah. And more times than not, it's the best decision. Is just wait, figure out why, and uh, be calculated. And I'm learning that even as a church, like. Why are you starting a second service? Because someone else did. Why do you want to start another campus? Because another you heard another church is going in there. What's your motive? Wait. Yeah. Check your motive. Check your heart. You know, uh, the Christian joke, you know, check yourself. Uh, Darlene, check yourself before you wreck yourself, you know, <laughs> and uh, check your motives. For me, it's just kind of stop. It's what's driving this. Or what's what, driving you. Mm. Right. What's driving you? Is it yep. a need to perform, a need for affirmation? Yeah, compete no. with the church on Instagram that launched a year behind you, right. but they seem like they're a year ahead of you. Yeah. What's your motive? Motives yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you could you could parent your kids and have the same action, but it could be motivated out of faith or it could be motivated out of fear. Yep. And it makes a difference, even though yep. you're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to you about this, and this is the action you need to take. But it's because of fear, and the, and it just it breeds the wrong result long term. Why mm-hmm. is so important? Everything is why. It's what what's the heart behind it? Yeah. And you know, feelings and thoughts have a presence. Mm-hmm. That's why you can walk into someone's house for dinner and it's tense. You're like, they're saying the right things. There's something <laughs> off here because yeah. they just had a fight before you walked through the door. Yeah. And you can give someone advice, but if you're if you have a disdain for them or you're frustrated by them. It, thoughts have a presence. So as a leader, the most valuable resource we have is not our Instagram. It's not our building. It's not our budget. It's your spirit. So it's, it's how am I, mm-hmm. right? The most valuable resource you and, you, know, you and your wife have as parenting is your spirit. It's not your house. You change houses, jobs, mm-hmm. cars. Mm-hmm. If you're good, the kid, you reproduce what you are, not what you do. Mm-hmm. So as a leader, it's always, what's my motive in this? Yep. Do I love them? Am I frustrated with them? That's why this is different than any other job because you reproduce what you are, good, bad, and ugly. It's and and just for you know those because I I can hear some of the the people who are uh, well. When do you get stuff done? If you're always wondering about the why, it's not that you guys aren't getting stuff done. It's not that you're not yeah. hustling. It's just you're starting with that initial okay why, and you land on it quickly. And then you start yeah. moving towards it. I think uh, people get frustrated sometimes when it's all a why discussion mm-hmm. and nothing gets done. But you know, just as a point of clarification, I know you guys hustle. I know you're getting stuff done. I think you come to your whys pretty quickly. Would, would that be fair to say? Yeah, I'll give you a prime example. We, 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 I announced a conference we want to do. I booked speakers for this conference. Um. I even mentioned it in a sermon. We had planned nothing. And I didn't believe in it. I believed in my head, but I didn't have it verbalized. So I was putting it off. We had a meeting. All of a sudden, I started unpacking why I believe in it. It came together. We've been hustling. 
Mm-hmm. We had a team night booked this summer and we had it scheduled for one night. I was like, no, we're not doing it that night. I didn't believe in it. Got together. We got talked about the why of it. We got on fire. We started cranking out hours and results and we were, it's all about, you know, it's about, do I believe in it? It's not about lack of, of, of effort and hustle. It's you've got to believe in what you're doing. Yeah, right. And then, and then you give her to you shiver. Like yep. we work hard, we give her, but if you don't understand the why, then people, if you don't believe in it, people won't believe in it. Mm-hmm. And it's not just an Instagram post or what you say. Like it's a core conviction of I'm going to charge. If you honestly believe that mountain's worth charging, you'll go up there. No budget, no people. Mm-hmm. Not that you're a lone ranger, but you're like, I will give my life. That's why Christianity is what it is. Mm-hmm. Jesus gave his life. He believed in the why. And that's why thousands of years later, we're like, we're in. Mm-hmm. Because the motive, Jesus is not lazy, he, he, but he spent years building this. This is who I am. This is what I believe in. This is my values. And we've been rushing them out ever since. I just think motive is everything. Yep. And then just give her. Just as we end, uh, just want to maybe have you offer some resources that you think have been helpful for you, uh, both in maybe personal development, uh, podcast, video series, you know, just anything that you just, maybe there's an app that you just you just can't live without. Just maybe help our multipliers out. There were some of the things you're using. Yeah. Um, practically, this probably isn't popular. I actually don't podcast sermons. I don't. Okay. I don't. I just, I'm not against it. Uh, for me, sometimes it feels like work. Um, and I honestly believe there's something about being inspired by God. I, it happens more times than not. Someone will go, did you know that that church is preaching on the same thing? Did you know that that church is doing the same series? I'm like, okay, there's nothing, there's something about hearing from God for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I, I do podcast is I podcast some leadership. I, pod, I podcast Craig Rochelle's leadership. Um, I'm not a big podcaster. I like it. It's usually 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And if I can say this in a great way, it's not spiritual, meaning I need to get fed spiritually. But it's, for example, some of his podcasts are on negotiations. I've had a negotiate. He had a FBI negotiator talking on there. There's other things about boundaries, some practical things. Um, which is really, really helpful for me. Um, I think it's important to talk to leaders that are ahead of where you're at. Mm-hmm. When I was looking to get married, I didn't want to talk to other people my age. I went to old. That's why I believe mentoring is so important. Mm-hmm. I believe even uh, conversations, Paul, we've had conversations. You're like, hey, what are you learning? I'm like, what are you learning? Mm-hmm. Get around people that are, don't be threatened by people that are hundreds of people larger than you or years ahead of you. They're your gold. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think, if anything, we've we church is supposed to be generational, and what you get freely, you give freely. And I was just gonna, I was on a call before this with a church planter, and he's like, "What do you know?" And he, these are the resources I use. These are the apps I use for design. If we're doing social media, and mentoring is more than just a buzzword; it's actually biblical. It's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Find people that believe in you. I have pastors that believe in me. One, uh, Rick Boys in London, Ontario, believes in us in every way, financially, relationship. If I need advice and he's older than me, church is bigger than ours. It's understanding that people, your greatest resource is a face, not a place. Uh, it's not a conference. It's relationship. Paul, mm-hmm. you've been a great friend in some real uh, tough moments I've had, even in the last year, understanding prayer. What do you need? Uh, do you need a laugh? The exact quote was, if Mike needs me, I'll just tell jokes. Literally, that was the conversation with my <laughs> wife when I was in a tough place. At the same time, if I need advice on resources, you're the guy. 
I just think it's about understanding discipleship and resources. Um, the podcast has been helpful for me and practically boundaries, mm-hmm. boundaries of rest. Rest is holy. Get some. Yeah. We talk about creation, about God taking a day of rest. And we kind of over, and sometimes we use it as an excuse to be lazy, but rest is holy. Mm-hmm. Like rest is absolutely holy. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we, at our house, we say this rest is holy. Get some. So we rest, we intentionally rest. And uh, so learn from people ahead of you, help those behind you. Mm-hmm. And I'd say the biggest thing is put a face on your fight all the time. It's not a spreadsheet. It's not a, it's not a, do- a Google doc. It's not a, it's not an Instagram post. It's stories and people. And you can be lonely in this job because it's all about services and, and plans and conferences and designs and, and office space. You've got to be relational. Um, and that's why I think even Jesus's darkest moment, he said, can you not tarry an hour? What he was saying, he didn't need their prayers. He needed the companionship. Yep. And so many times we feel alone in this Yeah. and, uh, find some friends and, yeah. and thank God for Skype and pod and, and, and phone calls, but find someone you can be in the same room with and go golfing with and yep. pray together, laugh together, yep. go have wings together. I think you just, you need relationship. Mm-hmm. And you need to glean from people. Um, those are what I'm I'm leaning into right now. Amazing. Thanks, Mike, for jumping on today. And uh, we're praying for you and Nance and your fam and uh, the church. So keep going. And uh, thanks again for jumping on. And thank you for this podcast. I, I listen to everyone you put up. It's a huge resource. I love that you're gleaning from the best in the world and putting it into Canadian context. I love it and uh, cheering you guys on. Cool. Thanks, man. 